Well, good heavens, Wayne, it's another podcast. Good heavens, here we go again. <laughs> Let's give this a whirl. We're actually going to be talking about something that whirled into our solar system and whirled out in, in a weird kind of way. That's right. We got a surprising what's it that went through the solar system. And uh, nobody really knows what it was. Yes. Oh, what is this thing? What What is this? It, we're, so we're calling this podcast The Mystery of Oumuamua. What is Oumuamua? It's not uh, an Oak Ridge Boys lyric, right? Um, Papa, Mau, Mau. We don't want to confuse it with that. <laughs> right. Uh, Elvira, that's not it. Uh, but Oumuamua. It would go on a song very nicely, though. Probably. Yeah, it sounds like a, it could be a Pixar movie, right? Uh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the mystery of Oumuamua. Um, but uh, Oumuamua is a name for a peculiar object that astronomers discovered last October twenty. No, not last. Yeah, last October. Yeah, last 2017. October. 2017. Uh, 2017. So uh, let's jump right into this mis- mystery, this strange object that entered our solar system and left just as strangely as it came in. So, Wayne, what is... Let's unpack the mystery of Oumuamua. Okay, yeah. So there's various uh, research efforts, Dan, that look for faint objects. They look for small objects like asteroids and comets and near-Earth objects or uh, objects out out by Neptune and Pluto out there. And this is only something, just to pause there for just a second, we've only been able to do this for about 100 years. If you, if you, I say we start, if you start at Mount Wilson with a 100-inch Hooker telescope in the 1920s, that's about, I think that's a good time frame for how we have been able to see these fainter objects that's right with these bigger telescopes but today they have much better devices to do this with right have, they can see much much fainter objects right so they can see these objects when they're farther away and we can have more time to observe them and see what they do yeah but this is only we've only been able to do this for about a century though right and this so is, yeah so that's really cool so it was one of these kind of run-of-the-mill routine uh Studies like this from, with a, a satellite that's called PanStars. PanStars. You want to and, break down the the abbreviation of that? Uh, it's, it's probably too long for me to remember. <laughs> uh, any, anyway, PanStars detects, detects a lot of faint objects, and they found this object that kind of whizzed through the solar system. So it was coming, if you imagine those, the planets in a plane, that's called the ecliptic, and this object was coming down from up above uh, at a steep angle. Okay. And it flew by the sun and made a sharp turn and then flew off in, the, in another direction. So if the solar system was like a plate on a table and you had one lone P at the center of the mm-hmm. plate being our sun, this object came in from the top, if you will. Right. Went circled underneath the P, uh-huh. our sun, and then went straight up like it came in. Yeah, well, so it, not quite straight up. But so it makes a kind of V shape very, in its orbit when it comes in and then goes back out again. Now we were talking before. You said that this is a path that is similar to comets, but it's a lot faster. Is that correct? Yeah, that's right. So some of the comets are are like Comet Halley, Halley's comet. You know, that comes in at an angle and then goes out, back out again. But this object was going too fast to have an elliptical orbit. And every, see, every object that orbits our sun has an elliptical orbit. But this object was going too fast for that. So this object must be 
from outside. It must be from outside our solar system. It came from the galaxy. Yeah, there's no, it had uh, a lot of momentum and velocity, too much f- to have originated in the Oort cloud or something. It was going, the, the, the speed suggested it came from afar, mm-hmm. which is what Oumuamua means, right? Right. Messenger from afar to have arrived first. Right. Is what Oumuamua means. It means messenger from afar arriving first. That's right. <laughs> so it's a perfect Hawaiian term uh, yeah. for this. So the uh, scientists, uh, when they first saw it, they they thought it, of, of it as a comet because it was similar to some comets. But uh, So they gave it a number with a C in the number like comets and then they changed their mind because they saw that there was no dust or gas or no comet, tail comet tail or anything Nothing like, that. like that yeah when it went by the sun there was no dust or anything coming off of it so this object must be rocky and but it was it's a little slightly reddish which might be from exposure to radiation darkening it a little bit but uh since it's not like a comet uh they started calling it an asteroid uh, and then it, when they looked at what its orbit was, what its path was, it, it's a hyperbolic path. It's not an elliptical path. So mm-hmm. hyperbolic trajectory is like when NASA wants to do a flyby of Earth or Jupiter to speed up a satellite. Yes. This is what they do. They put it in a hyperbolic trajectory so it will accelerate it. Got it. Right. And so that's what the, the sun did for this object, Oumuamua. It got accelerated by the sun. Okay. So, but again, the speed of this object suggests that it couldn't have come from our asteroid belt. Right. Way too fast for that. It, there's, there's no, it's not likely for any object in our solar system to go into a hyperbolic, a hyperbolic path heading toward us. Yeah. If something could be put into a hyperbolic path going away from us, maybe, uh-huh. because Jupiter can accelerate objects and uh-huh. kick them out of the solar system. But we have not observed anything like this trajectory at all. Right. Except now. Yes. This is a first. This is the very first. So this ha- so they finally changed this number to 1i. So the I one, one I twenty seventeen U one is the official number. Of so it. it's not a comet, which would be C. It's not an A, which would be asteroid. It's right. I. What it's does the I stand for? Interstellar. Interstellar. So Oumuamua is an interstellar messenger from afar, the first to have arrived. One, one article called it an interstellar interloper. <laughs> Another article called it an interstellar vagabond. <laughs> the, so the basic, the story was on the night of October 19th, I think it was, 2017, I have here that a team of astronomers from the University of Hawaii using the PanSTARRS-1 telescope, as you said, the PanSTARRS, we'll have to put that in the description of what PanSTARRS means. Uh, this telescope is actually situated atop Maui, the island of Maui's Halekala. Tell, the, uh, it's a dormant volcano, Halikala, I think I'm pronouncing that correctly, I hope I am, means house of the sun. So this telescope is sitting in the house of the sun, detecting an object that's going around the sun at a very strange trajectory. Uh, they discovered this swift-moving object, and then, as you said, the team first believed it was a comet, believed it was a comet or an asteroid, but after more careful examination, they soon realized that this thing had a life and a shape Mm-hmm. of its own. What's weird about the shape, Wayne? 
Right. So keep in mind, this is a faint object, and you can't really see the outline of the shape of it. So so they, they guess at the shape from how the brightness varies. And the brightness of this object varies by a factor of 10. Wow. That's very dramatic. Most objects wouldn't change that much. So as it spins, it's rotating or tumbling in space as it moves along. And, and it's it will sometimes be much brighter than other times. So usually the brightness variation is a clue about its shape. Okay. So they think it's about 10 times as long as it is wide. Wow. Like a, So people describe it as like a cigar. So it's it's uh, I think some measurements have said somewhere in the neighborhood of a thousand to twelve hundred feet long. Yeah, they say around four hundred meters long is their estimate, with about uh, forty meters wide, maybe. But that's only very rough estimate. So this seems to be something like a granite countertop or something like that. Uh, something hard. It's, it's a rocky object because the, the sun didn't. Uh, Cause it, you know, when it comes by the sun, often they give off something if it's a comet. They, mm-hmm. But not this one. So it must, must be hard. It must be solid, not giving off any dust or gas or right. water vapor or anything like that. And uh, it seems to be rather, from what they've deduced, seems to be an oblong shape, something like a flat hot dog or a tabletop. Or we're not really sure, but it's it's, yeah. it's strange. It's not your typical bulbous looking asteroid right mm-hmm. um, it's definitely not round and so uh that that raises a, qu- a lot of questions about where did this thing come from and how did something like this form uh so scientists have been throwing out different ideas of how it how it formed and where it came from i have uh nasa's press release on this and it's just kind of summarized what we've already talked about Uh, NASA's website about this object says that uh, Oumuamua is the first confirmed object from another star to visit our solar system. This Mm -hmm. interstellar interloper, as you said, appears to be a rocky cigar-shaped object with a somewhat reddish hue. Mm -hmm. The object, named Oumuamua by its discoverers, is up to one quarter mile, 400 meters long, and highly elongated, perhaps 10 times as long as it is wide. That aspect ratio is greater than that of any asteroid or comet observed in our solar system to date. While its elongated shape is quite surprising, and unlike objects seen in our solar system, it may provide new clues into how other solar systems formed. What's interesting to me, Wayne, is that the name that they came up with immediately was the idea that this rock, this thing, was a messenger. Right, right. That it has a message from yes. afar. Yes. And uh, so, I, what's the message? So, what's the message? <laughs> and uh, NASA th- seems to think that the message partly includes how solar systems were formed. Because as I kept reading the literature on this, it seemed like the assumption was that this rock can tell us about something. That there's intelligibility in this rock mm-hmm. between its weird path, its weird shape, its. Uh, where it came from, it seems like intuitively astronomers know that it's telling us something. Yeah, Dan, I look at this a different way than a lot of scientists would, but uh, I would say it's more about how solar systems did not form than <laughs> about how they did form. So, for example, if you, you have a, an object that's like this. It's very long and narrow, mm-hmm. long and skinny. Uh if if it it's in the middle of lots of objects that are colliding with each other, mm-hmm. 
a long skinny object is in real trouble. It's probably going to get broken to pieces. Yeah. How how is this how is this thing survived? So this doesn't fit into planet formation models very very nicely. Not the collision all. explosion models. It can't come from a from an environment where there's lots of collisions. So what scientists have suggested so far is maybe it came from a, a star where there's a planet that got close to this the star and maybe it's a a real dense star, so that when the planet, a rocky planet, got close to the star, the, the tidal forces would break up the planet. Tore the planet apart. It would, it would shatter the planet and spin off these objects, these fragments from that. But what's interesting is that this does not fit any shape of any kind of asteroid that we have observed to date. Right. Which is needs explanation unto itself, as you're saying. Right. Why would something like this survive in such a an environment where there's constantly uh, collisions and explosions going on? Yeah. So scientists have to come up with something different to try and explain this. And uh, there's there's an ongoing effort, I suppose, to try and figure out where it could have come from. Mm-hmm. So that's another problem. You know, now when we see an object like this. It passes through our solar system. We can take that orbit and kind of project it back, at least to some degree. But they can't really be precise enough to have any confidence uh, to try and figure out what star could it have come from. Yeah, because yeah. you see, the stars are moving, mm-hmm. and in the if, if in the time for an object like this to cross space, the stars would have moved. Would have moved in all of that time. Yeah. One astronomer said that Oumuamua is an outcast tossed out of its home system. So just by what you were saying, that during a, a relatively early beginning of another solar system far away from another star, there was all this material swirling around and coalescing into planets and colliding, and that in all of that chaos, Oumuamua got ejected from its parent star and sent hurtling our way. But that's based on the way we assume planets form. Right, and this is assuming a lot about Oumuamua. This is assuming that there's a star out there it came from and that there's been enough time for it to get here from there. But that isn't the only way to look at this. Right, right. There's a there's a quote people often use from Shakespeare, and I've kind of modified. I was thinking about this yesterday. I was kind of modifying Shakespeare uh, with the voice of what, I think a muamua would sound like, right? <laughs> and I think I think one of the messages that we can say that a muamua is sending us is simply, "Hello, little ones of Earth. I am a muamua. I have come with a message from a kingdom from afar." So, what's the message? There is more in the heavens, little ones of Earth, than are dreamt of in your astronomical taxonomies. Yes. Right. So, a muamua <laughs> flies through here with an unusual shape, an unusual path. A very high speed, and, uh, and astronomers are kind of scratching their head, going, "We need a new classification system for this rock." Right. So that's kind of cool. What is it? What is that? So here's the way I'm beginning to look at this, and this we'll have to watch the news and see what else do they discover next, Dan. We don't know what they're going to discover next. I think God put objects out there for us to discover. Yeah. And uh, so it's fun when we do that. Well, so there's a guy who recently did a report on this, and he looked at how Oumuamua would have been moving compared to the galaxy. You know, we're in a spiral galaxy, Mm -hmm. the Milky Way galaxy, and 
he looked at how this object was moving compared to the the rotation of the galaxy. Hmm. And he also looked at how it was moving compared to local stars. We have our star is in the galaxy mm-hmm. and uh, kind of between two of the spiral arms. And uh, there are uh, a group of maybe a few dozen stars that are kind of local stars. They're not too far away. Like one of them is Alpha Centauri. Right? Yes, right. And we know Alpha Centauri is the, the nearest star system to mm-hmm. ours. Mm-hmm. Well, he specifically checked to see is it is it moving, is, was Oumuamua moving like Alpha Centauri? See, if, if, an, if an object, like if a star kicks out an object, mm-hmm. then that object is probably going to be going just a little faster than that star is. Yeah. So uh, it can't be from Alpha Centauri. Just Because its direction. velocity is too different. Yeah. And so if you compare it to the other local stars... This is what they call the local standard of rest. Uh-huh. It means that if you go out beyond our sun to look at close uh, nearby stars, how are the nearby stars moving? Moving. And Oumuamua wasn't really moving like them either. Wow. What it was doing is moving in the plane of the galaxy. As the galaxy is rotating, it was Right in the galactic plane, it's mm-hmm. not moving up and down compared to the galaxy. It was not moving in or out very much. It, and it was uh, going a little slower than the rotation of the galaxy. Wow. So it was out there with the galaxy. It wasn't, it wasn't from one of these nearby stars. Uh-huh. It was just out there moving like the galaxy, but just a little slower. And so it, it sort of slowed it was a little slow, so it eventually got close to our sun, and our sun sort of caught it. Hmm. Isn't that interesting that our sun caught that object? Of all the stars that it could have been caught by, it caught our sun caught it. That's right. I I was thinking this is like when you're driving on the freeway, Dan. <laughs> Imagine a big freeway like in Dallas. You do this all the time, <laughs> yes, right? Yes, you're right, right, right. So you're on a big freeway with lots of lanes, and there's a group of maybe eight or ten cars around you. And you're all kind of moving along at about 60 miles an hour. Everybody's doing good, uh-huh. okay? And up ahead, there's this slow poke, okay? <laughs> this is a little, uh, it's like the uh, Oscar Wiener truck. You yeah, the hot, that? Dog car, the, yeah. the hot dog car. Yeah, the hot dog car. So you got the hot dog car. Going about 40 uh, miles ahead, an hour. It's going like 40 miles an hour. <laughs> and everybody's saying, where did this guy come from? Well, what is this object? Why is he on the road? <laughs> it so, is a messenger from Oscar Mayer. That's right. So so this cluster of cars has to go around the the, the wiener truck. And then, uh, so then the policeman comes along. So the policeman is like our star. He sort of comes along and takes this guy off the highway mm-hmm. and pulls him over. <laughs> <laughs> That's a good analogy. That's yeah. like Oumuamua. Yeah, now the policeman is offering an explanation. So Oumuamua is the slowpoke. He's going a little slower than the other stars. Hmm. And uh, and he was pulled over. Yes. So that <laughs> it, it seems like the furniture, if you will, it seems like the furniture of the universe just gets uh, more and more mysterious as we have the tools to look deeper into the universe we're finding things that are just uh, strange unusual and not uh, they don't neatly fit our classification schemes right yeah you know we tend to make assumptions we learn about certain ways of thinking like we get from science and sometimes science is right and sometimes 
science kind of steers us in the wrong direction sometimes. Just because there's another way that it could be that we haven't thought of. Right. So we need to be uh, be careful about um, getting too uh, married to a certain idea. Right. We, we need to be able to look at things another way. So it, it, it's like we have comets and asteroids and planets. We have we're comfortable with these definitions of things, and then along comes a muamua, mm-hmm. like an Oscar Mayer Wiener hot dog truck. And what do we do with that? You know, <laughs> and we don't have a classification, so we're calling it uh, a new classification scheme has arisen just from this rock alone, called interstellar. And so now, let's have fun watching how this definition develops over time. What is an interstellar object? How do you classify it? What's the shape need to be? Um, but here is one rock that has given has changed our perception about how things move in space, about how the universe is about how stars form, all, all these questions. For everything that we know about this rock, there are many things now that we don't know. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So I just think it's fun to discover these things. And uh, this is, uh, we, some scientists, Dan, believe that there would be uh, maybe a few of these interstellar objects that could either be asteroids or comets, actually. That, that would come through our solar system every year. We just don't see them. Right. This is the first time that it may not be the first time we've had an Oumuamua-like object, but this is the first time in 100 years since we've been able to look at the universe in such detail that we've been able to detect these objects. So there may, we, have, we may have been visited many more times by these strange rocks, and we just don't know it. Could be, but some of them would be uh, like this one, that this one went by the sun, now, when it's out far from the sun, it's hard to see. But as it gets closer to the sun, it becomes a lot easier to see. Right. So even even if um, the, this has been happening and just we haven't seen them, that's surprising because astronomers have written for years, why haven't we seen interstellar comets? Mm. They've been expecting to see these mm. because in their idea – you know, they believe in the Oort cloud around. It's mm-hmm. supposed to be around our solar system. I don't really believe it's real, but uh, so the the Oort cloud has to get there somehow. So they believe that in the early solar system, objects were sort of thrown out into space, and they sort of got caught out there. There the should Oort be cloud. a lot more space junk out there. Well, the Oort cloud loses objects at random into space, and so if other stars have Oort clouds. They are losing objects into space. Right. And in the in planet formation theories today, especially with planet migration, which we talked about, mm-hmm. this kicks out objects. This kicks objects out into space. Yeah. So if this is happening with lots of other stars in our galaxy, there ought to be lots of stray objects out there in space. And we're just not seeing the amount that they predicted. Right. So we have, this is the only time... They've found an object that's really moving in the right way to really be one of those. Why is this the only one? Right. There should After be. After all this time, there should be more of these. There should be a lot more interstellar objects. So the debris from early planetary formations of other solar systems, there should be a lot more trash out there. I like to picture it as, so if you have a bicycle tire on its side and you put M&Ms on the rim and you spin the bicycle tire... 
what's going to happen to those M&Ms? They're going to go flying off, right? And so if you yeah. had a room full of bicycle tires with M&Ms on them and you spin them all at once, the uh -huh. M&Ms are going to go hither and yond all over the place. Right. So that's kind of the interstellar conundrum. We should see a lot more M&Ms. Should we, we should see M&Ms wandering across space. Yes, That's right. a lot more than we have been able to observe, even with our finely tuned instruments. But so, Wayne, let's talk for a minute about how, you know, as, as Christians, we think that the heavens declare the glory of God. And then in Romans, it says that uh, we can see God's invisible attributes in the creation. What are some ways in which we can, I think, you know, metaphorically, we don't obviously know exactly what maybe God was saying to us through this rock, but what are, I think I, as I was reading this, I was making a few metaphorical connections to scripture and how they remind me of, of what God says about how the heavens declare his glory and how we can see his invisible attributes, um, in this rock. What, what are some, what are some, uh, biblical connotations that you personally have taken out of this as you're looking at this well i kind of like your idea of uh, uh referring to christ that he was kind of a messenger from afar he came and people didn't recognize uh, who he was yeah isaiah in isaiah 53 it says that uh who has believed our message to whom has the arm of the lord been revealed mm. and uh, isaiah is talking to israel of course and they as we know from scripture they rejected the servant of Isaiah 53. They rejected the Messiah. We all have as human beings. And so the first thing I, yeah, the first parallel I saw myself was, you know, Oumuamua, here are some secular scientists who are looking at this rock. And the first thing that comes to mind is messenger. Let's call it a messenger, which mm -hmm. is exactly what the stars That's and the right. planets yeah. and the universe uh, declare. If they could talk, uh, it's almost like they are talking to us and we do recognize that they are saying something but who is who gets to interpret the stars and the rocks and the planets and all of that way? That's yeah, the thing, so you know. The creator is not what people expect. Yes, he's, he's a creator he's, who's of surprises. Right, and that's that's the, the servant in Isaiah. It's shocking and surprising that the savior, servant, Messiah mm -hmm. would suffer. You know that that he would come as a man, that he would allow Rome to crush him, that mm -hmm. he would endure suffering and rejection from his own people. This is not, shockingly, what the Messiah was supposed to be. This is not. This is not our idea of God. Remember the Pharisees and the Sadducees when they came to John the Baptist in the wilderness. Uh, what does John the Baptist say to them? Do not say to yourselves, "We have Abraham as our father," for God can raise up from these stones, from these stones. children of Abraham, right? So the Pharisees were thinking one way about how they were justified before God. We came we are descendants of Abraham and we can prove it with our lineage. That justifies us before God. And John the Baptist and of course Jesus's ministry is like you're not justified by your blood lineage to Abraham. That right. is not how I justify you. I justify you by my blood and through me and through me alone and I can bring glory out of rocks. If I need to. That's right. And as far as Abraham, we're supposed to have the same kind of faith that Abraham had. Right. It seems like God builds the universe. And I was talking to a, some atheists the other day about this. It seems like God has created the universe in such a way that we have to, whether you're a Christian or, or not, even if you're an agnostic or an atheist, you have to take certain assumptions about the universe by faith. There are mm -hmm. so many things in astronomy and cosmology mm -hmm. that you have to assume 
but you cannot prove. Right. For Like Einstein, when he was doing his calculations on envelopes at the patent office in Switzerland, um, it was funny, in, in, 19, in the 1930s, Elsa, his wife, I think his, her name is Elsa, and Einstein had visited Mount Wilson in California, and they were shown the 100-inch Hooker telescope, and the astronomers at, at the observatory told Mrs. Einstein, this is the telescope by which we have discovered the shape of the universe. Mm-hmm. And she kind of dismissively is believed to have said, oh, my husband does that on the back of an old envelope, right? <laughs> so <laughs> Einstein doesn't need a, a telescope to do his calculations, of course, but, but the telescope... It was interesting to have Einstein standing there at the telescope because Einstein believed the universe was static and eternal, didn't Mm. move. But that telescope, used by Edwin Hubble, later seemed to demonstrate that the universe is in motion Mm. and is expanding. So there were two iconic giants, one who calculates on paper and one who looks through the telescope, coming to two different conclusions about the universe. But the point is, I think, is that for everything that Einstein got right, it was not his, his theories are not complete. Right, he assumed the universe is the same in every direction. It's what we call homogeneity, right? But in order to do his calculations to make them fit on the back of an envelope, what did he have to assume? That the universe is the same shape and substance everywhere you look. That's an assumption. Now, Einstein's never seen the universe <laughs> in that depth, right? Mm-hmm. So there's a lot of assumptions in cosmology that we have to make <clears throat> in order to do the calculations. Now, a lot of Einstein's science bears out well but there it's incomplete it's it's comprehensive but it's not exhaustive right it doesn't explain everything and so i think god builds the universe in a kind of quirky way to continually befuddle <laughs> our understanding mm-hmm. of how the cosmos goes and uh it's funny because the other thing that comes to mind scripturally about Oumuamua and christ is that remember what jesus is asking the disciples in matthew 16 it's like who do men say that i am Right. Mm-hmm. And his mm-hmm. disciples said, some say John the Baptist, others say Elijah, but still others, Jeremiah or one of the prophets. Right. And so it's like with this rock, people are saying comet, asteroid. We don't know. Interstellar. But then what does Peter say? You are the Christ, the son of the living God. And then Jesus says, you are you are Peter on this rock, on I this will, rock. I will build, I will my, build church. my church. Yeah. And so even with rocks, God says, look, here, here's a here's a here's a rock. That's going to change your paradigm about other rocks. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Here's a messenger right. that's going to change your idea about what the universe is, about what life is, about what truth is. And so that's like well, Jesus came as one of us and and kind of rocked the world of the Jews of, of what God was really he, like. He turned it. God's whole program was different than they expected. Completely different than what they expected. And of course, there's references to Christ as the rock himself throughout scripture. You have Psalm 118, 22, Matthew 21, 42. And then Paul says in 1 Corinthians 10, 4, uh, Jesus was the rock which followed Israel through mm-hmm. the wilderness. Was was he like a marching boulder? No, Paul's saying he was the spiritual rock. But uh, the idea of rocks as a metaphor, rocks are a metaphor for the creator of rocks, that he right. takes himself. It's interesting how many aspects of nature Jesus takes upon himself to describe the kingdom of the heavens and to describe himself. He's the lion of the tribe of Judah. He's the star that uh, Balaam sees in, in Numbers. 
Uh, he's the rock, as Paul says. Uh, he's the way, the truth, and the life. He is the living water, right? He's the light of the world. It's amazing how many natural metaphors that he uses to describe both himself and the kingdoms. Right. And so here we have Oumuamua, mm-hmm. a messenger from afar to have arrived first, mm-hmm. uh, sounding very much like uh, the one who created Oumuamua. Right. So, I mean, so are there going to be more objects like Oumuamua? Or is <laughs> Oumuamua a rare thing that we won't see again? Right. No, right. We won't see this object again. It's passed through and it's gone. Right, It's not right. going to come back. Yeah. But the question is, uh, are there more of them like this out there? We just haven't seen them. And it's interesting because I think the parallel is, too, that uh, you know we know that Christ is returning, right? Mm-hmm. Unlike Muamua or any other objects, we know that Christ is returning. I think this is a little reminder to us to not be comfortable in our schemes, whether they're scientific or even as believers, we right. get comfortable with a certain way and expectation about how God works in our lives. Don't be surprised surprised if the creator surprises you. Right. He is full of surprises and he loves to allow us to develop our little paradigms and then he just comes down and turns them on their head, mm-hmm. which is what, uh, which is what it's interesting when he walks into Jerusalem on the donkey, right? Mm-hmm. Uh, the, his disciples are crying out, uh, blessed is the king who comes in the name of the Lord, peace in heaven and glory in the highest. Mm-hmm. And the Pharisees were like, uh, rebuke the disciples, please. Please tell them to be quiet. And what did Jesus say? I tell you, if these, the disciples, become silent, the stones will cry out. Will cry out. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So God can make voices bring out messages from the rock mm-hmm. uh, in order to point us to his glory, it but, seems. But... We have to learn how to learn how to hear that message. We have to learn how to notice and and realize what it means. Yeah, and like uh, like Jesus, uh, some astronomers are 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 postulating that Oumuamua was cast out of its home system, which also reminds me of what happened to Jesus when he came to Jerusalem. He mm-hmm. was cast out of Jerusalem, crucified outside the city. Mm-hmm. And Hebrews says, therefore, Jesus also that he might sanctify the people through his own blood suffered outside the gate. Hence, let us go out to him outside the camp, bearing his reproach. For here we do not have a lasting city, but we are seeking the city which is to come. And so in one metaphorical way, we can think of a muamua as a messenger from a distant city that is not of this world. Mm-hmm. Right. Pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, what, other, what other interesting science tidbits do you have from this latest messenger? Yeah, Dan, I found an interesting report by... Uh, a guy named Mamajek, I think it was his name, and he looked at how Oumuamua was moving compared to the galaxy, you know, the galaxy rotating, Mm -hmm. and compared to these local stars around it. Mm -hmm. So it's not moving in a way that it would come from these local stars. Okay. Because it's going... uh, slower it's moving it was moving with the galaxy so it was not uh it was not moving toward the center of the galaxy and it was not moving up and down compared to the galaxy mm. it, it was moving in the plane of the galaxy and a little slower so it wasn't quite keeping up with the galaxy rotation it was a little slow so that means that it couldn't come from the local stars Hmm. The local stars might slow it down, but they're not going to slow it down slower than they are. Yeah. And then, uh, so the question is, 
what star could it have come from if it came from another star? So scientists are trying to kind of make projections back in time and see where it could have come from. Mm -hmm. But it's very difficult to determine that. And I think they're overlooking a possibility that it was just it was just out there in the galaxy. It was I think it was created when the galaxy was created. Just part of the galaxy it, like stars and planets. And it doesn't have to form from collisions. It could have been supernaturally created. Just created as it was. It just created right there was nothing wrong with it to just be there. Mm-hmm. And it was put out there in such a way that it would eventually come near our sun so that we could see it. Hmm. I mean, it's the simplest explanation that uh, certainly it could have had a natural, certainly there could be a natural reason for it. It may have broken off of something. But in the end, finally, it's one of those things where we don't, we, we look at the data, but we don't know. And I think one of the simplest explanations, as you just said, is that God could have created it as he did when he created everything else. Now, that, now that may not be a satisfying idea to a scientist, but... The fact is, it's moving. It was moving with the galaxy. Mm-hmm. It wasn't moving like any stars out there close to it, and it wasn't. If you try to say it came from a more distant star, then you have problems figuring out how did it get to be moving with the motion of the galaxy. Right. If it came from a distant star, how did it get in this motion? Yeah. So, the motion suggests it was just. With moving with, along with the galaxy, and then it kind of slowly wandered our way. Yeah, it's almost like so. Again, like we said earlier, you know, <clears throat> in the voice of a muamua, "Hello, citizens of Earth. <laughs> I have traveled a great astronomical distance to tell you that your classification schemes for space rocks need revising." Absolutely. Yeah. <laughs> and there's nothing wrong with revising a theory, right? But I think a lot of times, uh, sometimes that. Uh, science being what it is, and even scientists will admit this, that it's harder to change a paradigm. You know, you, you want to you save face of your current theories, right? It's harder right. to, uh, the, like the Pharisees and the Sadducees and like human beings, we get settled into a pattern, a paradigm and a theory, and we'd rather hold on to the paradigm and the theory that we made up rather than completely change our mind about it. But right. that's what scripture says is to be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And I think that's applicable not just to Christians, but to everybody who is endeavoring to understand the created world. We are in constant need of having our minds changed and transformed by new information. And sometimes that new information is actually very old. Right. So I, the Bible talks about supernatural creation. I think this could just relate to supernatural creation. Yeah. You know, but don't be surprised if the creator surprises you that's right that's right so so we're still looking back at ancient texts if Mm -hmm. you will the rock is the ancient text of the cosmos Mm -hmm. and we're trying to derive truth from ancient rock which is exactly in one metaphorical sense what we do as christians with jesus as we look to the rock who is christ as paul says that we Mm -hmm. are astronomy is the study of ancient light Mm -hmm. and ancient stuff stuff that's old Allegedly, or depending mm-hmm. on how old you think it is. But studying the heavens is like studying scripture. Mm-hmm. And I think the lesson from both is that both God and the universe will surprise us. That's right. <laughs> Sometimes when we're least expecting it. That's right. Yeah. So, uh, well, thank you, Wayne. It's been a wonderful uh, in-depth look at Oumuamua. It's been fun. It's been fun. And there's a lot of information out there on the web that you can look at and find more about the sciences of Muamua and other objects like this. But uh, Wayne, it's been great, and we will see you next time here on Good Heavens. Good Heavens. Good Heavens.